0: Hello, hello. Welcome to another amazing episode of Be Open and Authentic with us. Uh, Sorry to throw it. So, uh, yeah. So today we have uh, Andrew Walton with us, uh, who is um, an expert uh, coach for professional cricket players uh, and is a founder, advisor, and mentor for so many players. So, uh, I mean, to sum it up, Andrew does a lot of things in, 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 uh, you know, in different domains, so which I can't really cover in, in, in one episode. So I think it may mean like 10 or more episodes to do uh, to cover what Andrew has done and what Andrew wants to do. So I think there's just a lot to cover. So, but for this episode, I really want to get into um, the coaching style and the coaching uh, ways of coaching uh, for the uh, for the professional players. And I uh, want to understand what it takes for a player to be, you know, at the professional level and then perform at the professional level. So, and, and I think... It's the possibility of having this chat with Andrew is just the right way to go about it. So, thank thanks Andrew for taking time uh, to chat with me today. Um, and I and I still don't know how you we are managing all of these things, but we will talk this over <laughs> the time. But uh, yeah, thanks for that.
1: Oh, right. Look, thank you for having me me on. It's a it's a appreciate the chance to to have a discussion with you and. Um, uh, normally we'd be what today's October the 13th. If that's okay to include the date, sure. and normally yeah. we'd be well and truly into the cricket season. Yet Melbourne today, uh, it's a cricket jumper day today. Roth. it's very cool here in overcast, oh. so um, uh, rarely we get the fun. chance to pull the long sleeves out. So we've got, the, got that in place, and uh, so we're a little bit we're a little bit behind in preparation um, here from normal or regular cricket. Yet yeah, it's a very it's a, it's a wonderful time though because the World Cup. He's on, yep. there's lots of excitement of, of, of teams of different parts of the world coming together. And um, yep. cricket is one of those things, Rohith, that no matter where we are, it creates a thread to bring us all together.
0: I know, just like just like this episode, right? I'm in Seattle, you know, enjoying this weather where it's supposed to rain and, and you are in, uh, in Australia where you are, yeah. <laughs> uh, where you are, you know, suffering from rain uh, where, where it has to be sunny. Um, but yeah, so th- this is a community and I think, I don't know how, you know, I, maybe it's the same with other games that I just don't know, but uh, I, people who are into cricket, they're really passionate about it and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just just live with cricket uh, I'm, and I'm one of those persons.
1: We are, we are very blessed in, in Melbourne that we have, a, we have an, an amazing uh, intercultural and multicultural society and, uh, you know, there are so many... So many people from the Sri Lankan community, Afghani, Indian, Pakistan community that yeah. that brings so, so much to the quality of cricket here now um, on the field and and seeing the junior players coming through, yet also off the field. The atmosphere at matches now around Australia is yeah. is much more, it's, it's very inclusive and, 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 a, and a celebration of, of cultures and uh, really pleased that we, we did see that a lot with the T20 Women's World Cup, which was the last major event before yeah. COVID hit, so... You now, to think I was eighty-six thousand people came together to see Australia v India um, oh. at the at at the MCG, and now we've got the ICC T Twenty World Cup now, and uh, it, it's a great celebration of, of, of the game. But um,
0: exactly, that's exciting.
1: Uh, and cricket cool. to me, Rohit has been has been very very kind to me my whole life. Um, from a young boy from a small country town who learnt about wicket preparation and playing on turf at at, at a young age, and and was then able to um, find a way through levels in in, in Melbourne, but then got involved in sport technology with with, with cricket um, that created a career from that and a a great partnership with Cricket Australia over many, many years that's progressed from web-based technology into mobile apps, live scoring and live streaming. Um, Yet around that, I've been able to advance my own coaching qualifications, travel to India regularly so um, I've been a guest coach with KIOC in Bangalore since 2014 and despite a small COVID disruption was able to go back there again this year in May and reconnect Um, yet in in, in recent years after completing my my level three high performance uh, I've sort of gone around the circle if you like and I'm coaching uh, my, my coaching involvements from uh, so cricket mentoring from a personal professional level, yet in a club environment uh, I've gone back to junior level, so I do some under 10 and under 14, 15 mm. for girls and also run an all abilities program in the disability space. So it's just trying to get a, a depth across the community and show people how cricket can be really, really valuable to them in, in their life. Yep. And then outside of that, yeah, it's always nice to be able to work with some of the players in the in the WBBL, and those are on TV occasionally, just to keep um, keep your skills and thinking in, in good order. So, uh, how do you get time to do? Well, you, you find time if it's something you're passionate about. Uh, my children are coming through um, the enjoyment of the sport now as well. So, yeah, you sort of you find a way to make it all happen. It's, it's, a, sure. it's not too sure. difficult.
0: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I totally, totally agree. No, and, and you're blessed to have that support, you know, from partners, pay, you know, family, or, or like from all our network to make it happen because it's, it's not always the case.
2: No, it's so, not, no. no.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so, and, and most things, sorry, I suppose most things are real off there. Uh, my, my business for many years on the technology side involved cricket, so it's, it's been able to sort of inter, intersect those different areas together. Um, sure. And you find that, uh, I suppose, <laughs> It's now interesting if I look at if I look now at the business cycle within um, cricket Australia and the various states. There are many players now in key executive positions that I, yeah. as players I've coached. Oh, cool! <laughs> so, exactly. so some, sometimes like you know, uh, one, one of the one of the new general managers in Victorian cricket, I've I've known him since he was thirteen years old. Well, so you sort of those relationships you're able to. Um, yeah, just just help make things happen sure. better. Yeah, ahead. Exactly. Um, but coaching. One of the questions you want to know about the journey as a coach, how it all started.
0: So, so yeah, I let me um, let me take it through. So, but yeah, before before you know we go we go there. So just yep. um, you know, just it's it's. In, I think you covered all aspects of cricket, right? You know, you were a player, you're on the coach, you're on you, the. Um, you are on the business and technology side of it, and then uh, using cricket to help in the community. Mm-hmm. I think just all you know roundness of the game uh, that you are involved in. I think that's that's very you know interesting to observe. So, and I think this is also how you can solve the problems with the technology, right? So you know the domain in send out. And and also you have all those connections to make it happen. So it's all about you know finding a problem and and solving for it. So I think which you're already doing with the uh, beat cricket mentoring or some other uh, companies that you've worked with. So which is which is very uh, very cool. Th- thanks for doing all of it. No,
1: that's fine. But ultimately, Rohit, it all comes down to people. It all comes yeah. down to being able to relate to be be relatable to to people, no matter whether they're coaching a state team or a big bash team or it's a parent in the under 10s whose son is nervous to get out of the car to come and play his first game because he's never played cricket before and um it's just be having i suppose it's probably learning now it's more about having a a good depth of personality skills um in encouraging people to find their way whereas if if i go back i suppose when i first started coaching many years ago it was about and i don't like using the word technique but it was about that side of the game more skills rather than the the character, the personal um, yeah. which is probably more imp- which is sorry not probably which is much much more important now because the skills can come yep
0: yeah. um, mm. yeah. I totally agree on it so so before we, we dive a little more deeper into it, I just just want to understand how how your you know journey with coaching started. You know, yeah. you know, and and firstly, you know, based on what I learned, you know, you started in the business development and sales, mm-hmm. and you eventually you made into coaching. I know you have you were a player earlier. Maybe that's how you have all the skills. But how how did you navigate uh, into the coaching and you know and uh, and become all the way up to the level three performance coach, yeah. which is which is a big thing.
1: Yes, yeah, so my coaching journey sort of started uh, last last century with a suburban club called South Herea Career Club. And for those watchers, Rohith, who are fans of cricket journalism, uh, Gideon Haig, the esteemed international cricket writer, that's his club, South Harrow career club. Um, mm-hmm. So in 1993, uh, they were looking for... I'd, already been, I'd been playing there for a few years and had been playing reasonably well as, as a bat. Um, and they wanted to just just do things a little bit differently, so they approached me to be coach of, of the club. And for the, for the princely sum of $2,000, Rohith, um, I agree to take take that on, but um, when you're the coach of a suburban club, and that was four teams on turf, uh, yes, you are the coach of the club, but you're also the head of selectors, uh, you have to roll the wickets for practice, you roll the wickets yeah. for the match, um, yeah. you make little afternoon teas there on game day, so actually, the time for coaching is actually relatively minimal when you break it down. Um, yeah, through that yeah. experience, we were able to do a few things a little bit differently, and had some success as, as, as a group in that in that time. And uh, towards the end of, uh, I suppose, the uh, late 90s, um, I sort of had decided, well, I wouldn't mind testing myself further. And, and next to, uh, at, on the ground next to us at South Yarra, uh, Paran Korea Club used to play their thirds and fourth grade. And hmm. I was approached by Paran to consider coming across there and being involved with their junior development program. Um, I hadn't, been involved with premier Grey cricket before, uh, so I went to Peran for, for for two years. And, and true story, the, uh, the the first my, my first meeting at Peran was pre season, and um, at at Turek Park. And I walked uh, through the door next to a fellow. His name was David, and David said, "Hi, I'm David. I'm from Perth, uh, Wanneroo. Just got to just got to Melbourne. Um, was trying to find his way through cricket." Uh, that was David Hussey, and <laughs> And, and just through that interaction we were, we were the new kids on the block, so to speak. I was I was only playing lower grades. he was playing in the high grades. but um, as happens in cricket when you're new in an environment you tend to sort of gravitate towards each other and you know down the path we're still you know we're still still friends to this day and have the occasional communication at, at times. but um, nice. then so running the junior program there then went to Richmond for a few years. Um, I, I went to Richmond for three years. Uh, and was still playing and captaining, but coaching with their junior group. And that was to sort of prepare the players who'd come out of what was called Dowling Shield into that sort of next level through. And um, Richmond was Richmond back then was a fairly strong club with a number of players already in the Victorian sort of framework. And for me, it was a great learning environment to, to go. Um, and then from there, I had the chance to start coaching premier grade club level. So I coached uh, Hawthorne, Monash, Fitzroy, Doncaster, uh, Peran and then Melbourne Cricket Club. So over my 12, 12 years in, in grade cricket, um, nice. and was able to work with players at, at, at all levels of, of all types. And i sort of look back now and reflect on some of the scorecards um, I remember in my first year at Hawthorne Monash, as it was then, we made we made the finals against uh, Dandenong, a local team here, and the opening attack for Dandenong was Peter Siddle, Darren Pattinson and James Pattinson. Yes. Um, so, so that was a pretty sort of handy team. We didn't win the game, but it was a great experience for the boys. Yet over the years, uh, then moving into the experience through Peran and Melbourne, um, had, had the good fortune to work with many players at a very high level, and... Um, mm ran for me, was a masterclass. I couldn't believe that I was the coach of the club, yet here I am learning from Chris Rogers, Dave Hussey, Dimitri Mascarenhas, Bryce McGain, who'd all played international cricket, and yeah. um, here I am throwing balls to them and, and, and catching balls. and that. But I, it, was a, it was a masterclass in learning things. And then yeah. after that, with uh, Melbourne, the MCC, where you walk into Melbourne Cricket Club and uh, their expectation of players who come into that environment is you are going to play for Australia. Yep. And there's uh, an, an example there, so this is not long ago, but to, you know, I, I, my years there were, so Will Pukowski was still a junior player then, Will, was, Will hadn't, done, I think Will had only played six first grade games, he was still under 19, <laughs> uh, Sammy Harper was coming through the ranks, um, yet we had a young player then called Fergus O'Neill, who I think was 14 then. Oh. And he made his debut for Victoria last week uh, in their pace bowling quartet. And Fergus was always uh, a, a talent. Yeah, this is where it's interesting because when he first came to the club, he was a very young. Um, his, his body hadn't developed quite yet. He was very good with the bat. And then mm-hmm. in, in his second year, he was playing lower grades I said to the captain, he actually bowls like these little medium paces, all right, let's just see where, where he goes. And I had no idea he'd become a new ball bowler and a fast right. bowler as he grew up. But um there's a the sort of that's just a snapshot of some of the you know the really exciting sort of experiences that you can have. Yeah. Um and also there's there's tough times as well, Rohit, where you're working in a club environment and a player who may be in the first grade sorry, sorry, first class um, level mm-hmm. and they they're sort of they're coming on the way back and you sort of you know, sort of having to navigate those waters as well um, and then the story which we'll touch on later on is you know I was I was very very fortunate um, 13 14 well 13, 14 years ago and spending a couple of years with Glenn Maxwell when he was finding his way as a young man at the age of 18 and um, and he's nice. he he's certainly had an excellent career but From all those experiences, and then you throw throw into that the chance to go to India and be a specialist coach at KOC in Bangalore, um, to do work now with cricket mentoring for five years, to be able to um, coach teams in the disability, visually impaired, oral ability space. It's incredibly rewarding. Um, Incredibly rewarding. Hmm.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure, because, you know... And and the interesting part is you coached at all levels um, and at all the clubs and probably have seen it all from, you know, where players uh, just come off, you know, as as the kids and, you know, now they are representing, you know, all the countries are, you know, playing big leagues. Like they were the particle where you coached mm-hmm. him yep. in, the, in the KYC and, you know, helping Maxwell, some other, you know, people who are representing um, – the international cricket, which which is very interesting, right? Because it's also, you know, it's, it's like something that you put your heart into and that materializes very quickly and it has a bigger impact. So I'm sure, I'm sure that is such a, such a rewarding experience. Right. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yep, and and just, just want to understand like, you know, among all these experiences that you had, you know, be it with Maxwell or, you know, some Indian cricketers or, or David Hussey mm. or, um, or any any professional cricketer? Just just want to understand what is your you know best, or the you know some of, what is your best experience yeah. as, um, as a coach, or, or something that
1: you are really happy with. Um, there's many that come to mind, but probably a few that stand out. Uh, the 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 Melbourne Renegades uh, defeated the Stars in the BBL a few years ago, and to see on that mm-hmm. to see in that match players like Sebastian Gotch, Sam Harper, Chris Tremaine. Glenn Maxwell sort of all, all come together with their various teams. Yet after the match, mm-hmm. um, the Renegades players all came back on the ground and uh, I've got a photo. Uh, so Chris Tremaine is, is a good friend and I got a photo of Chris holding my two sons um, at the end of the match, which was uh, quite, quite pleasing because Chris was a player who, you know, really wasn't regarded as being a T20 um, player as such, yet he found mm-hmm. he had an incredible ability to adapt to any situation and um, and that was pleasing for him, for him uh to see glenn maxwell and dev Padikkal batting together for rcb oh, yeah. Uh, one, yeah one night late on tv and seeing them together was was quite uh quite quite remarkable um sure. seeing sam harper come back from you know pe- some people sort of overlooked that sam harper had a very very serious concussion when he was hmm. accidentally struck by uh, jake lehman in a shield match a long long time ago and that was a <laughs> A really dark period, not just for Sam, yet for his whole family, about where things may have emerged. But to to see him recover from that experience and get back to play at the highest level um, was has been extreme, extremely extremely um, just proud of of the young fella and in how he's came through. But then also, I have I had a had a small brief experience in coaching premier women's cricket and. Um, mm-hmm seeing players come through like taylor Vlamink and sophie molyneux and rianne o'donnell who you know observed in that period had some had some things to do with when you see what how they're able to progress just by their own talents not trying to be something else and once they get that chance in good conditions on the big stage they do flourish but um they're probably the high profile ones roweth but um on the other side, uh, in my under-10s group, so uh, Francesca Head is a as, as an eight-year-old um, when she was behind, her, at the end of her first season with the under-10s. And to have Francesca play in a, a, our group as a mixed team, mm-hmm. Francesca's one of two girls, and for Francesca to be recognised by her teammates not as a girl, Francesca was the opening bat and leg-spin oh. bowler. Oh, okay. So. That, to me, shows that the, the kids are accepting more of... that They're not seeing um, gender or any, any barriers. But the pleasing part of that was that by the end of the year, Francesca was scoring off the back foot through the offside better nice. than her older yeah. brothers. So <laughs> when, <laughs> when you see moments like that, Rohit, you go, that's really rewarding from a coaching perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's great. And then the, one thing I really like is... You are equally rewarding, you know, all the professional ac- accomplishment with the, the, the smaller things. Even well, if they, I mean they're not really really small, but you know they're they're just just feel good things that you can observe and cherish, right? Um, I think I think I think you got a great heart. Uh, well, and thanks for sharing all of you.
1: Yeah, no, that's a. I mean, as a coach, you just hope that you can put little bits in place um, and even though I, I played the game at a very modest level, right? I, yeah. I, was, I would love to have played for Australia and played first-class cricket, but I was never good enough to play it. In my mind, I was, but physically not not, yeah. not capable. Although I still, I still can't help myself with a ball and just have this <laughs> muscle memory. Um, yeah. So I suppose my, my coaching philosophy or my coaching method revolves around decision-making mm-hmm. and, and movement patterns. And I figure that if I can help a player in those areas and then... Tune that philosophy around what their needs are, and and sometimes sometimes the best work has been done mm-hmm. when you're not throwing a ball or catching a ball. It's mm-hmm. how you might be planning with the player why they need to do something, how they're going to do it, and and what their expectation is. And when you if you're able to capture sorry and build a good relationship um, through that uh, that 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 emotional and mental connection mm-hmm. it can go a long long way so it's more than just yeah. um you know having to hit a thousand balls a day to become a better better player there's there's more ways yeah. of doing that and just probably an yep. example of an, an example that's firsthand which i strongly relate to many many times is the is um will Pekoski on match day mm-hmm. will Pekoski on match day um, through through our involvement he wouldn't hit balls on match day Mm. he he would be there for the warm-up he'd watch the other players hitting up he he'd observe he'd be, he'd be participating he'd catch balls throughout yet his whole he would believe that once he walked in the door on game day his preparation was he was right the only oh. ball he needed to focus on was the first ball in the match Interesting. whereas other players might need to hit so I'll give an example there. In my time, at, I spent some time at Middlesex, and Owen Morgan used to like a certain routine with tennis balls and then cricket balls on game day, just yep. to have his his hand, the the, the bat plane and the hand position going well. And that's fine. Everyone's everyone's different. Yet, um, yep. and that was a way to connect with him because he liked to be able to go aside and Andy, I want to do these drills. Fine. Let's do these drills, and then then you'll go join the group. Um, yep. other players like to be around and have that, you know, that. that Noisy sort of pump up type type situation. Yeah. But as a coach, though, Rose, it's understanding what works well for the player to ultimately perform in yeah. in, in a space that they're happy with.
0: Agree. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, so you know, this this is the interesting part, right? You know, what works well for a player, and then getting used to their way of playing. Is, is is I think incredibly challenging um, because, for example, uh, at least some of the coaches have seen if you go and you know ask for you know coaching help even if it's a spin bowling or pace bowling. So they you know normally they don't always understand how you are performing or like what's mm-hmm. your technique of bowling. It's more like hey you know do these drills you know you know this is the technique that you should follow and this is how you good you know you good you can get all the turn or you know this is how you get. The right of this moment, yeah. right? But but it it I mean maybe it's great you know maybe it's it's the basics you know getting basic right, which is great, but not everyone can follow the basics or has to follow the basics because, um you know we have seen different players who can play you know may not doesn't always play the standard way, but who right. who can wag the balls of the park with an ease, right? So so like what 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 what's your take on it or what's your approach on yeah. this one?
1: Yeah, I think um, it's 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 being as a coach, it's being accepting that players have different ways where they can learn to improve. And yes, if you're in the if you're in the pathway in the representative space, you'll have a structured program of work mm-hmm. that players need to do. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, yet more often than not, the players make a greater level of improvement when they're in an environment where they can be playful and experiment and be friendly. And we we've now got some. Celebrated examples in players like Lasith Malinga, Jasprit Bumrah, Mahendra Dhoni, That exactly. so much of their formative years was not in a structured cricket environment. It was yeah. playing with a tennis ball, or playing with a taped tennis ball, or playing corridor cricket, or playing something, where they're able to adapt. At the end of the day, they have shown, proven that when they're in the, when their body's fully developed and they're in that space, they can do what needs to be done. They can yep. hone the ball into a space on a target. They can make contact with the ball. That can go anywhere around the ground. I mean, Glenn Maxwell, like, as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old, he was practicing like he wasn't coming to practice and taking up other players' time in reverse sweeping. And fr- he would do that in his own time. Mm-hmm. So generally, he would be one of the first people. So most most practice sessions at Shranz Reserve Fitzroy, if when I was coach, if I was there at quarter past four and practice started at quarter past five, he was already there before me.
2: Yeah.
1: And he he would be sometimes I'd see him there. He'd be practicing his method of hitting a ball different angles, just by standing at the crease with his bat and a ball. And then if someone else came along to throw balls, he was he was happy happy as. Yet it's it's the players who are who are doing. The work that's needed in a fun, playful space outside of the structured practice
2: mm-hmm.
1: areas. Um, that's, that's where I suppose I find that the, the you know the improvement really comes from because um, that yeah you, you've got to have that that sort of balance because yeah. not not every coach every coach we, we could line up ten different coaches here and um, we'd all have a different aspect on what how something or what could be done. and we're possibly all right yet yet i could guarantee that half of the coaches would be reflecting on what they've done
2: yeah
1: whereas the other half may have the empathy to understand what the player
0: needs (laughs) yeah which is which is very important
1: right oh it is because look there's no no disrespect but there are yeah i know for example i'll never i'll never be asked to coach at the highest level because i haven't played the game i haven't played and that's okay. There's no, there's no objection to that. Um, yet I feel that there's things I can teach players that aren't... You know, I'm not going to try and replicate how to make 100 MCG I've got no idea how that would... I haven't had that first-hand experience. Um, but some players don't necessarily need to know from a, a technical perspective how to do it. They just need yeah. to know ways to, to concentrate, to stay calm within themselves, um, to manage... I mean, one of the best lessons I ever heard sorry, one of the best lessons I've received on um, on on batting under pressure um, was from Mike Hussey, who spoke about breathing.
2: Hmm.
1: He spoke about this, in his case, was that the six-second gap you've got, that, that every, no matter what game you're playing, T20, white ball, test cricket, at the end of every ball, there's at least six seconds. Okay. Six seconds that you've got to yourself.
0: Unless unless Jadeja or someone else is bowling well, well, but, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. but but you
1: can you but you can control that. Sure, sure yeah just, just and, kidding, anybody. yeah. It, yeah and, and, and Mike spoke about you know you can you can do what you want. Look you walk square leg, you can but you've got as a bat as a batter, you've got six seconds minimum to take control of where you're at. And and his whole thing was more about well, in that six seconds, if I can get two good deep breaths in my calm comes back. I control my uh-huh. heart rate and I stopped trying to get ahead of the, of, of the game. So being able to sort of, uh, just to finish on that, right. Being able to sort of help players find what, what does that, how does that look? What does it feel like? Um, and having them remember, having to remember more about, okay, if, if that day, if that day, if that match, if that moment works well for you, what, why yeah. is that? Like, how did you feel? What, what did it smell like? What did it look like? Like what was, what was going on? And, um, that becomes as important than your, how high your elbow is or your, your wrist position on the ball sometimes because that that comes naturally that that's an outcome of, of yeah. being in a good in a good space.
0: Agreed. Um, totally agree. Right. Uh, like finding what works best for the players so that they can you know keep their calm or you know give their best and letting them be. I think is is more important. Um, particularly when at the professional level, right? Because most people are already good at that level already for the most part. So now, you know, finding a way what works best for them can take their performance to the next level. Um, well, well, something
1: like, on that, which I think is, is a compliment to the, and I see this every year when I go to, is that the emphasis, emphasis in the Indian and this, I mean, Greg Chappell spoke years ago about how India will be a powerhouse. Because a typical... If I use Shivam Singh, so I've, only, I've, I've seen Shivam Singh at KIC since he was eight, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And he's now 16, 17, and he's becoming one of the best players in Karnataka as a state. Yet mm-hmm. Shivam from the age of 10, sorry, from the age of eight, he was already playing under 14s. Yet from the age of 10, he's playing somewhere between 80 and 120 matches a year.
2: Oh.
1: A year. <laughs> Insane. And Shivam, he's, so he hasn't played first-class cricket yet. But in his in his mindset, for him, a good season as a top order bat, he has to have made between seven and twelve centuries. Wow. A season. So before he plays first class cricket, Shivam will have made fifty, sixty, hundreds in matches. In matches, and some some matches are lower level, but some matches are, you've still got to do do the work. Now, as yes. a comparable, I've coached when I've coached Premier Grade cricket in Melbourne. And I've been given a talented 17-year-old top-order bat, up-and-coming, who has to bat in the top order. Yet they've never made 100, mm. and they've only played maybe 15 games in a season, maybe maybe 20 games most. So, that once that's my point. There is that. I think what we can do better is when players have hit that sort of let's say third, 12, 13, 14 age bracket and they're sort of crossing over between junior and senior, the more games they can play, the more matches yeah. they can play, the, the better learning environment for them. They don't need another practice session in the nets to yep. to fine-tune something. They're better off doing it in, in, in a game. So yeah. as, a, as a coach, I'd, I'd like to think that um, we can be better at organising that sort of environment than an, an indoor session because it's raining um, <laughs> in, a synthetic, in a synthetic environment. Hmm.
0: Agree. Uh, I mean, nothing nothing can beat the real real experience anyway, right?
1: Not at all. Exactly.
0: Cool. And 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 when it comes to you know earlier we were talking about um, you know Ian Morgan needs to hit balls whereas some other players doesn't even you know have to hit balls. Mm-hmm. You know before the game uh, and and even you know the pressure point in the games you know where David has sees takes like you know uses the six sec six set- uh, sorry six seconds to you know mm-hmm. get reset before before
1: Next the ball, ball
0: but, you know taking taking the control which is taking control of the game right so which also you know I I want to emphasize here on the mental aspect of the game mm-hmm. which is equally or if not sometimes is more important than the you know technical skill set right so mm-hmm. as a coach you know what what do you do to make sure. You know, uh, to understand players way of, you know, getting that calmness or how do you train players to take that time or, you know, space for them, you know, in the games and particularly in the pressure games, it's not easy where you get, you know, easily carried away by all the pressure. But yet, you know, most of the players like Maxwell or Dhoni, you know, they can just, they're just like still cool headed and, you know, still does whatever they want to. So what, what is the role of coaching it or as a coach, what you would do or would advise to, you know, for, for the younger players to follow?
1: Um. Firstly, as, a, as a, firstly, there as, as a coach, you've 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 got to find the time in what you're providing to spend with the player and understand them as a person, where they've come from, how they've arrived at the game. Um. And I'll give you an example there, Rose. Like uh, being outside Melbourne Cricket Club, the the perception was that uh, Melbourne Cricket Club just get all the best private school players and they just walk in with a. God-given ability and expectation they're going to play for Australia. It would not be further from the truth. What I've learnt was that Melbourne Cricket Club have an extensive recruiting network, which I knew of, yet most of their players, particularly the ones who went on and became successful, they came from small country towns, or they came from far-out suburbs, or they came from places that, that weren't generally um, looked upon as being a good player will we'll come from here. Yeah. Now, generally, that being the case... Um, and I'm a, I'm, I come from a small country town, so which which I'm, I'm very proud of and which is where I learnt all, all, all my cricket. And you've, you can always find a thread of connection with someone somewhere. And it's, it's important to be able to, with the player, be relatable outside of the sport. So that's having an interest in where they're from, how their parents, how it all came together, um, why... Why they're interested in the game? What makes them happy? What's their situation? Are they studying, working, um, in a relationship? What that relationship looks like? Um, how does how do people get enjoyment around them? And and then where are they trying to? Then, then where are they trying? Are they just trying to be the best player they can in that environment, or because having lived through an experience, where I suppose when I first started when I first started coaching at the higher level. The next step was shield matches. Well, then after that became one-day cricket, then became T20 cricket, became franchise cricket, and we're now seeing players come through the system. Um, if I use not having cope, but if I use Chris Green as an example, well, here you go. Um, when I was a Fitzroy doncaster, Dirk nanas was still playing, and in in one in one year in Dirk's second last year professional cricket, he played for eight different teams professionally in one in one year. So that in, for T20 cricket, so he became a different type of cricketer. But then I look at um, in the current era, say a player like Chris Green from the Sydney Thunder. Well, Chris has probably got oh, don't put words. He's probably got zero aspiration to play for Australia. <laughs> yet, yet, yet he can play at the highest level in T20 in any competition in the world, and be a very sought-after player in the Hundred, in the Caribbean Premier League, in the BBL. And that's where, so it's about, so it's about understanding for the player, where do they want, what what do they want to get to? Um, And then you've also got, that also stands you in good stead, knowing more about the player personally as a character and being relatable to them, right? Because inevitably there will be difficult times, there'll be dark times, there'll be tough times for some reason. And uh, (laughs) Chris Romani uses a term like, you know, kicking the cans around when you're upset, when you're sort of like not not in a happy space. Well, you've you've also got to be able to um, find a space of comfort with the player. So it's not just a coach-player relationship, it's a person-to-person relationship. So to do that, yeah, you have to find time to go for a coffee or have a drink of water or walk a lap of the park or um, you might get up at 6.30 in the morning and spend half an hour together on the rowing machine or stretching or whatever whatever it may be. But generally something which is not cricket-related, so you're able to break down that barrier and, and let that player um oh, express no, themselves no. and probably the last thing the biggest thing overall and this is where it took me a long time to learn this but as a coach um, you actually end up becoming you create you end up creating a better environment that's happier and more successful when you say less
2: mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting.
1: And, and and part of that is having a good relationship with the senior players in your group and they become the enablers they become yeah. the voices of reason, they become the influences because when it comes down to it and I think one of the I'd look upon it um, typically in, in a in a great environment that Thursday Thursday night so if we we're playing Saturday or Saturday and Sunday, Thursday night when I walked out of the rooms as a coach, my job was done. Yeah. We'd done our practice and our skills, we'd planned we understood what position we were in. We understood the opposition. It was now, okay, Captain, Matthew, this is your show. This is this is now you. And I'm there on game day. I'll, I'll throw balls. I'll catch balls. You know, um, if there's any sort of you know, conflict that needs to be managed with anybody, I'll, I'll handle I'll, I just want you guys, I just want you players yep. to have as enjoyable, as positive experience on game day as possible. And when things arise that need to be sorted out, you work it out. Yeah. You work it out. Understand in the moment, hey, some things will work and some things won't. That's okay. And yeah. we can talk about that not necessarily after the game. In fact, most most um, most matches post-match, uh, I'd say nothing.
2: Yeah.
1: And interestingly, I remember um, particularly uh, in the time with, with Middlesex when Richard Scott was the coach then. And after most games, Scotty would say zero. He he would sit. He'd be he'd be with the players, yet he would let them work work it out and and have the discussions. He may then have. And I learned from him that, okay, you might have a quiet word with someone in the corner beforehand, or in that dressing room. Um, people like at the time, so Owen Morgan and Chris Rogers, uh, Dawid Malam were probably the leaders of that group at the time. Toby Roland Jones, <laughs> and he might have had one of them. Uh, assigned to speak about a certain issue mm. but then the coach does the work during the week yeah. away from away from the game because there's too much um there's too much emotion on game day that can flow through different some people can reason with it and some people that's need to sort it out so um yeah yeah so that's 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 the other part and i think from experience now that that also helps you build a better relationship with your players because you're not like in their face all the all the time. You're not not, not sort of demanding. Um, but, hmm. So that, that's I, I d- suppose.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think the interesting part here is you know the leadership lesson, right? Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have to say much when you no. create that atmosphere to say less, right? It's more about you know. Doing all the work and letting people, you know, or letting players or anyone, you know, figure out and and be the enablers, yeah. Which means that your job as a coach or as a leader is done, right? You do all the work, uh, you know, behind them and and let them take the lead and like, uh, you know, or the charge, which is yeah. which is um, which is very good. And and also I like this, uh, you know, having that personal relationship with player. Mm-hmm. so which is you know, in fact even you know important at the you know business or the you know company level mm-hmm. which most people doesn't do um, at least at least in my field uh, I uh, because it's more about you know just getting the work done than you know developing the relation um, and then you know maintaining it for longer um, but yeah I think th- that is something to take away uh, not, not just for coaching but but at all levels yeah. So, you know, since we, you know, spoke about you know understanding the player to help them nurture or uh, to help them maintain the mental um, mm-hmm. calmness that they mm-hmm. need, mm-hmm. but as a player, you know, uh, what are the things that I can do, uh, you know, to have that level of calmness or to have that level of mindset, uh, you know, needed for a professional player? You know, let's say I walk to you, you know, I don't have any. Um, you know, we don't have any, any background yet, but I just, you know, maybe I'm just reaching out to for a quick session, you know, yeah. I'm playing in a different tournament. Yep. But I, and I'm and i trying to understand, you know, what it takes. So what yep. what would you say to players yeah.
1: like me? Yeah, well, I think you've got to have an understanding of what what is the what is the point of difference or what is the value that you can bring into a team structure. Um, because if you can get, not every player is the same. And not every player is the same shape. And not every player is... Um, Glenn Maxwell got himself... Back into the first class environment initially as a 19 year old after being kicked out as a 17 year old, yep. not on his batting or bowling, on his fielding. He was recognised mm-hmm. as one of the best fielders because he ne- never dropped, well, sorry, really dropped a catch, but his throwing was so accurate. And yep. because of that, the captains and the coaches wanted him around the group. Now, once you're back around the group, then the rest can flow from there. But that, that at that time in his career, that was his point of difference. Um, now, if I, if I use sort of current um, current requirements, I mean we do know that if a player is going to step into the sort of first-class professional scene, there are some there are some metrics and measurements that they do have to. Now, it's not necessarily runs or wickets or etcetera like that, but um, it's more about okay, there's a basic level of fitness.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: the two the 2k time trial, which is a universal standard, and generally, if players are in that six six minute thirty the 6 minute 50 bracket they're going okay they're going okay that's a pretty good level of fitness Um, if they're in the 7 minute 30 sort of bracket yeah it's acceptable it's okay if they're beyond 8 minutes for 2Ks then the the coaches start to think okay not, not, not the question about their capability but can they back up for the second spell, for the second hour, for the second day, for the third day, can they give re- repeat efforts? So there's got to be a base. You don't have to be a sprinter, but you've got to achieve a, a base level of fitness to, to do it. There are players, you know, the Sam Harpers, the Glenn Maxwell's. They're in the mid-low 60s they They're 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 elite sort of runners. But you know, Peter Siddle would always come in, you know, 720, 30 which is respectable, which is fine. Um, you sort of find where you are, but and anyone can do that. You just got to go ass track and run around, and you'll find out you'll find out where you're at. Um, I think. Also, a player's got to understand their strengths as to what uh, as what sort of player they are. We're seeing you know, Tim David right now as a current example. Brilliant. Tim David is a power hitter who comes into the middle order. And if I use um, uh, if I might use say so Dan Christian's example here. So Greg Shippard, so Greg Shippard, very good friend. He explained to me that Dan Christian, when they brought him to the Sixers, typically Dan's requirement was to bat after the twelfth or thirteenth over, mm. and if he could get through six balls if he could get through six balls, they had no doubt that the balls after the sixth ball, the majority he faced were boundaries.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Okay?
2: Uh,
1: yeah. So the point is though that if Dan got out before the sixth ball, it was okay. It was fine. Yeah. There was no there was no like there was no concept of failure. That was okay, <laughs> it was fine. So you take that out of the player's psyche straight away that he knows that oh, I've just got to be in a space where by the sixth ball I'm ready to go. Now, that's a different way of looking at what value does a player bring to the team. Then if I compare that to, say, a Tim David that we're seeing now, Tim David has developed a skill set where he knows he can hit a six the first ball he faces. Yeah. Now, Rohit, I grew up in an environment where you had to play yourself in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a beautiful thing to see. So it's as a player, it's understanding, like, where, how do I fit? And to Tim David's credit, he's got a physique. And a body shape that allows him to do that, so he understands yep. that. That's that's as tremendous. Um, Glenn Maxwell, he plays 360 degrees, and yeah, we all get carried away with the the, the great sixes and so on. Yet more often than not, he's able to bat around the whole field because he tr- he's trying to manipulate the field to create the gaps. Yeah. Yeah, it's good when the sixes happen, but yeah, he wants he wants Josh Butler to put three men behind point on the offside, <laughs> so he can then go. In a, different, in a different direction. So it's understanding yeah. the value of what you do bring to the to the side, what you do bring to the team. Um, you know, Josh Hazelwood has learned that a great example of a player who is so strong in his concentration and ability to execute consistently, yet subtly he's able to change his grip on the ball just differently that can alter the speed. So he's a player who's comfortable enough to move up and down the gears of speed. Yep. Yeah. And he's now found that, now remember that Josh Hazelwood, about a year and a half ago, was not regarded a T20 cricketer. Yeah. He had an amazing season in the IPL, then had the World Cup last time, and all of a sudden now he's a, one of the first picks. So it's recognising where the, the value as a player can be. Um, fitness, mental, hand in the moment, having a game plan, but the foundation of skills behind that to be able to, to back those things up.
0: Yeah, sure. so it's it's all aspects, right? Uh, that you mm. mentioned: uh, fitness, mental, or game awareness, or uh, game sense. Yeah, game sense, uh, and 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 the strategy or game awareness, right? So, which is not always easy to uh, gain. Um, now, the other thing, too. I think the, the
1: other thing, just on that, also to throw in the row is, is and learned this from uh, when Will Pekoski was coming through, was having a conscious awareness of, okay, if you've got aspiration to get to the next level, what what is it that's all like? Um, you have to replace somebody yeah. and that replacement that, that, that could occur from injury, from illness, from form, from, it's, it's outside of your, your control, but you've sort of, I suppose you've got to have an awareness. Okay. If I'm going to be picked in this environment, what is it that I'm going to be picked for? Yeah. Um, now just to go back a little, up until, uh, up until Will was 18 or so years old, he'd he'd, more often than not, he'd batted number three or number four. Yet he's opened the batting in the test match for Australia. He's yeah. now opened the batting in Shield cricket. So all of a sudden, he'd gone through all his junior cricket, being a very, very good player, no question at all, as a top-order bat. Now, all of a sudden, you're the opening bat. Yeah. So you've, you've got to be able to recognise that, OK, if I'm going to make a step to that next level, this is where I need to need to get to. Um, Dev Dut, I remember at KOC Dev Dut... All the junior stuff, he used to bat number three, number four. Um, and he was quite okay with that. But now he's become a, an opening bat in T20 <laughs> cricket. So it's just yeah. recognising when you get to that stage of what's next, where you go, where, where and how do you fit, and and, and and being ready that when the chance comes, you can you can adapt to that situation.
0: Yeah, makes sense. So I think having, having a sense of what or where you can be and, and being ready for it. Is is, uh, is probably very important, um, mm-hmm. and you know somehow you know whenever you say these sort of examples, I'm also trying to correlate you know or uh, just nationally correlating how it works in the real world as well, you know when you are growing into a leadership role or uh, when you are changing company or you know, getting a promotion. Mm-hmm. So, I mean you also have to have some prep work for it, right? I mean you need to prove yourself that you you are there. But once mm-hmm. you you know reach to that level, um. Uh, and, and being prepared for it is, is a different ballgame, right? So once you're ready, once you're prepared for it, it, it just comes naturally and you can you know excel at that particular job or promotion, um, which is uh, <clears throat> very interesting. And, you and know, I'm always, I think from the episode with Adam, I'm always, uh, you know, I- interested to see how the examples from cricket or any sport uh, can be updated to real time. So these two are not different things. It's yeah. just that we are... Um, Looking things, you know, at these things differently, but every much, you know, everything is pretty much the same. You know, world will be a better place if all everyone, you know, thinks they are part of the team and contributing for the goodness of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I mean, these are just random thoughts uh, that that comes to my mind whenever we talk about these examples, because the applications of these examples can be at much broader level.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um. But but anyway, uh, you know, backing up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So. And, and and as a player, right, uh, you know how uh, how can one understand their strengths and and weakness, and and how should they go about it? Yeah. You know, because uh, uh, Mac- Maxwell, you know, their strengths are maybe hitting or hitting all around the park, but maybe you know they also have some weakness that they want to work on, or you know maybe batting for longer. So how how do Yep. they approach or how should they, how do you think they should approach, you know, from the coach standpoint?
1: Very, very good. Excellent question, Rohit, and I'll give you some practical example there. Players at the modern era have one of the best tools possible available to them to give them some information. Yep. Phone, they can use video, they can use for images, and they can uh, either use AI tools to measure how they look, and they can compare themselves against other players. Yep. That's wonderful. I'm all for that. However, however, and this is where I've seen the success in players. It's then those players who are prepared to pick up one of these. And once they pick up a pen, they then pick up a book. And they'll keep a journal. Mm. And they'll keep a diary. And they'll write things down. And what they'll do is they'll create, they'll, create a, they'll hardwire a link from what they've seen, observed or thought about they'll let it sit inside their mind and then they'll create this connection between their mind, their thinking, and their reflecting in a book. And they'll write down what it may be. And that's that's where they understand that, okay, when I'm going well, when I'm going well, these things are happening. When I'm not going well, these things are happening. Mm-hmm. And it's the players who consciously make that happen, who, regularly are the ones who you see are at the top end of, of of the tree when it comes to when it comes to eventual eventual outcomes now and sometimes yep. and it's also I know we, we we do use the term strengths and weaknesses or what you're good at or what needs to improve you can frame it in any possible way yep. it's it's really understanding generally what are those moments to reflect upon yep. to ensure that Something we're not that good at becomes better. Um, a classic example there. Um, so good friend, so Chris Rogers. Um, it was after he'd played in the Ashes against England in England, and he, he came round for dinner one night, and I said, "Mate, just just explain what what was your role probably in the team and where did you get yourself to?" And yeah, you know, he was at the peak of his career then. He said, "Basically, I said my role batting the team, my role was to be there at lunch like any good opening batter. Yet my role was to be there at lunch and take care of Stuart Broad after lunch, because Stuart Broad was found to be at his most dangerous in his second or third spell. Mm-hmm. And you may be in a good position at lunchtime, but Stuart Broad could destroy things after that. So that was, so from a tactical game plan perspective, that was yeah. him, that was his role. as clear as. So not how many runs, but you got to be there to take on Stuart Broad. The second part was around. Um, understanding, he had he had condensed his thinking around his batting to two things. I'm either playing the ball or I'm not. Didn't matter what foot went where or how it looked or didn't matter where the ball, if he hit the ball, where. his view was I'm either playing it or I'm not. And And because he was able to bring himself down to that simplistic method of applying at the highest level he could be in test cricket, he found yeah. that that worked for him. Sure. And everyone's different. And and, yeah. and Chris Rogers would be an example of a player that he had a method of playing the ball that you probably wouldn't teach a lot of people from the way he looked. Yet if you broke it down, if you break the footage down, and I've gone from the experience at, at the academy in Brisbane where we've, we've looked at players like Steve Smith and Simon Cadge against Brian Lara and Kevin Peterson, and they all look different. But if you break it down to when they're making contact with the ball, yep. pretty much all the same. They're in an active position. Their head, their hands are all where they need to be. How they get there is different. Yep. That's okay. But the method also has to be what the pl- what the player finds works work, works well for them. Um, and that's that's and that can be built out of understanding. Well, okay. If rather than my weakness is um, I keep nicking the ball behind because I'm chasing the white ball. Well, okay, maybe it needs to be something as simple as are you playing it or are you not?
0: Yeah.
1: And that's okay. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, just maybe tracking down, you know, maybe using a journal or whatever works, but tracking down, you know, highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. Use a journal is
1: the up here. Yeah. Use a journal. Understand what works well. Understand why things haven't worked well. Because sometimes it's also, you've got to understand that there's, there's conditions outside of your control. Yeah. And and some days, some days you'll face a bowler and hey, it'll just be too good. It'll be an in-swinging, yeah. knee roll, um, 135k, and well done. Move on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um.
0: So, and, and I know, you know, you've seen many players at all levels, mm-hmm. right? And and I think, at at certain level, you know, as we were saying earlier, technique might be the same or the skill set might be at the same level, mm-hmm. but yet some people or some players, you know, easily make it to the international level, or some people who think, you know, whose technique, you know, is even little lesser compared to some other people. Even those people make it to a certain, you know, or the international level, but some others, you know, may not make it. So, you know, just just want to understand, you know, what are the common things that you observed in, you know, people who, you know, made it to the international level, or, you know, and the others who didn't make it. And and you know, because you know, in my opinion, it's all about certain patterns, right? You know, we only have you know few patterns that we see over and over. If you're in the if you're in the field for a long time. Right, you know those patterns. You can probably say, you know, most players can make it or cannot make it. You know, not to may, may not be super accurate, but you get a sense of what it takes for you know, or whether they'll be successful or not. Um, so just just want to understand uh, your take on it.
1: Yeah, um, the player being prepared to do a volume of work by themselves in their own environment with with someone else they trust or, or other other players, other people. So. Doing things away from the group overall in, in their own time. Um, a good point there raised in the field. And I always look for the players who when they're in the field, they're watching and learning from others. They're they're not being drawn into useless banter or just joking around in the field. They're actually watching if someone out there's batting well, learn from that. Why is that what, what where are they standing? Where are they how are they approaching the bowl? Are they are they batting outside? What what stands? What guard? Um, are they changing themselves every ball? But learn from what other players are doing in in, in those conditions, and take that yeah. information back to use use for yourself. So the the it's yep. so.
2: Oops.
0: Are, are you uh, good to I'm good,
1: talk yes, for some yes. more time? Yeah, so, so it's the players who are learning from what's going on around them. And it's also the players who, who are seeking the communication with other players after the game, outside the game. And if, if anything, a, a weakness sometimes is that uh, players become withdrawn amongst themselves. And... It, it, Connecting with players outside of your team is, is one of the best learning experiences of, of all. So I can't um I can't sort of express that enough. Um, the other part too is that if, if if you've got the ability to play extra games, is putting yourself in an experience where you can learn something different. And Irfan say it. Um, our, our head coach and founder of KOC tells a great story about how Manish Pandey um, when he came back to play Ranji Trophy sorry, not really sure, when he came back to play local state league cricket, um, he would bat at number five. Mm. And they would say, Manish, why are you batting at number f- Like, Why are you best bat-? He said, well, I want to learn what it's like to have to wait to take my turn because it's probable that I'm not going to bat before Dravid Tendulkar in VBS, So I might have to learn to sit rather than everything. So sometimes it's, it's putting yourself in a position where you can if you've gotten aware of what you're going into, how can you prepare yourself accordingly for that? So that's a player's thinking outside themselves. They're thinking greater than, okay, what do I need right now? What am I going to need ahead of, of the game? So that sort of covers the, the mindset, the preparation sort of thing, but yeah. learning learning from others around you to help yeah. sort of feed, feed the needs that you have. Yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah, you know, just uh, going above and beyond, you know, certainty and then just constantly immersing themselves in the game or putting them in the scenarios or trying to understand and then get better is is the super important quality, mm. right?
1: And, and well, the last thing, also, is just there's, there's so much available to players these days, whether it be meditation or yoga or mindfulness, that they can bring into their um, yep. practice as a person. And it, it, it may not be directly sport or cricket related, yet having those skills to draw upon um, you know, when when emotions may step to a different level is going to help their performance in in the end in in some way. Or it will help them, on the other side, will also help them cope better if the performance hasn't gone so well because they can then rationally see through something or work through something and not be drawn through on the, oh, you know, the the, the woe is me um, path.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think having that, you know, may not be spiritual level of talking here, but having that mindfulness is equally important, which they can attain through tools like yoga, meditation, or you know, or maybe walking on the beach or whatever works best for mm. them, right? Ah, <laughs> yeah,
1: walking barefoot.
0: Yeah, walking barefoot on the beach. Walking yeah.
1: barefoot. There is a. Uh, uh, there is nothing. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. I would and I would encourage all coaches at some stage if you want to take take your team take your players for a, a walk around the oval, ask them before you walk take you take your shoes off and go bare feet and connect yourself with the um, be grounded. with them. It's a great feeling. It's a great great feeling. Totally agree,
0: totally agree. So so and and that's want to you know understand based on your you know experience with Maxwell or uh, you know you may have seen many professional players you know going through their lows. Right, you know, Kohli had gone through the process lately, uh, and and I'm sure Maxwell has been there a couple of times, and and you know, it is. In, I think every player goes through the you know, ops and on site, but but as a coach, just just curious to understand what is your role to support the player, you know, when they are going through loss. and also mm-hmm. want to understand like what players can do by themselves to make sure that they can you know come back up strong.
1: Yeah, that's, a good, that's an excellent question, Rahul. Mm-hmm. The, the answer I give there is that um, a, a coach can play part of that, yet the, the player will build their confidence better and quicker if it's the players who buy into that as well. And, and a, and a, a yep. way of doing that is that if you spent the time building a relationship with the player away from the game, um, you should know something about them which is not cricket-related, that's okay to be shared amongst the amongst the group. So it's not, not, not personal, it's not, it's not private, but something which yeah. might be related to where they come from or who they've played with or what school or what, what music they like to listen to or what books they're yeah. reading or just something. And it's, it's those moments when you sort of take it away from the game and oh. you might find there'll be two players in a dressing room that may have no common connection at all. Yeah. That's yeah. highly possible. They might be both fans of reading Stephen King horror movie horror books and they might go to the movies together and then form and then all of a sudden you've got some momentum going where yeah. it's not just on the so it's just building that around around the group entirely so it's um, it's having that con- so the connection I you know connection is the greatest untapped advantage yeah. and that connection comes from knowing a, as much about your players as they're willing to give that can forge that connection with with somebody else. Um, and confidence can come from many many areas. And all of a sudden if that creates a, a connection where the player starts to smile again or laugh or be happy, then that you've you sort of got over that hurdle.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, so but but in terms of the technical skill set, right, in a sense I mean it might it might, you know, make them feel better but I think they if they need to come out of that bad knock or bad form. Like, what are the things yeah,
1: okay. um, that they need to work um, on? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Sorry to go back to that. So typically, uh, I would then I would then set up some form of, of, of time at the practice where you're able to practice we able to go through game sense, and you're able to build off a strength of a player. And I like to work in, um, I like to work in drills, right? Where it's sets of six, and you're setting a and you're setting a scenario, which and the scenarios can be can be various. Okay. Um. And you, as a coach, you've got the ability. You can have different balls. You can have different. You can have cones, be different areas to hit the ball into. Um, you can create a whole different range of things that are more than just throwing a ball, letting the play. Now, sometimes that might be as simple as. Um, so, Owen I would I would underarm tennis balls to Owen Morgan at his hip, and he would hit them from backward square leg to mid on, and mm. and all he was trying to do was hit that tennis ball with his bat as hard as he could. Yet his swing was effortless. Yeah. It was not like trying to monster, and that was an example where something he needed to do in that space. But you can technically you can bring it back and work with a player on on, on what might happen. But I'd always focus on okay, let's just get it back to the things that you're good at. And you know, there's plenty of references like uh, A B D V is is on the record is saying that every basically every shot for him is a late block. He plays that he plays that late block. And yeah. everything comes everything comes out of that that basic mindset. Every other shot comes out of it. Because he knows if you play the late block, his feet are balanced. He's waiting mm-hmm. for the ball to come to him. He's waited for the last moment, so he's not, not extending his hands, not reaching for the ball. And so but it's, it's recognising with a player what that is and you build up the confidence with some drills around that. And then stepping into a game sense type scenario, okay, well if you if it might be, if it's, if it's, how am I going to hit the first ball for six? Okay, well, let's, you know, what's yeah. First of all, how's that going to happen for a start? Like, who, who, who are you going to be facing? And, and, and get the player thinking around, all right, in a match, what are the parameters? So who am I facing or what sort of bowler? What's the field look like? And where's my opportunities? And then you go through that process. And you might, that might take six balls, might take 24, might take 60 balls. Um, yeah. But the last part... Just on that, I suppose in a synthetic in a synthetic environment, that the nets can be. I always like to introduce some form of um, just mild exercise to create a fatigue sense in the play, because anybody can face the bowling machine and just yep. smash ball after ball after ball after ball. So I, I like to introduce a, a little form of movement. Might be run half a pitch and back at a leisurely pace. Not not trying to, but just to get the heart rate going. Yeah, roll and get the adrenaline running because that then affects the, the the thinking in the in the mind, and just gets the player to a level where oh okay this is what actually uh, if I'm talking about batting this is what batting and scoring runs actually feels like rather yeah. than just standing on driving range and just trying to whack every ball um, yeah. out of the park. So from a technical point, and then it's more about just to finish with it's, it's also more about um, it's it's the quality of if it's if it's run making scoring it's the quality of contact yeah which gets back to all right what what works well for you to get in a position to play that ball with the best possible quality of contact that you can um it's never yeah. perfect and some players talk about I remember um you know, in the early days of the ipl um yeah you know, most boundaries was 68 to 72 meters yep yeah. yep yeah. uh and that was when yes that was early days of the ip and, and most players most of the better batters they knew that they had a hitting range between eighty-six to one hundred and ten meters. Oh. So you then break down and go, does it matter where the ball goes? If your if your range is plus ten meters beyond yeah. the boundary, yeah. um, it's the quality of contact rather than yeah. oh he's played that shot beautifully over mid off for six. Well, yeah. that that may be the case. Yet it's 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 just sort of pulling it back into right. How do I get in a position to make that contact? Um, do I need to open my stance and have my feet and hands spread apart, or do I need to? And so it's working on those sort of elements that, that can build that sort of confidence back up for a player. That yeah, okay. If you make, if you get the right quality of contact, it doesn't matter where it goes. It's it, it, it's out there.
0: Cool. yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's true. And then totally. Um... Makes sense. And, and thanks for sharing all these, uh, you know, various ways that, you know, players can get back into form, you know, be it the drills or, you know, it's it's morally, you know, a, m- a mental thing or, you know, mm. just um, figuring out what works for them or understanding the quality of, you know, contact or uh, just, you know, putting themselves in the game and, and uh, it's a getting, situation. getting into the rhythm. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. And I also want to, um, and, and uh, you know, since you coached in Australia and India, yes. uh, where um, the attitude of players ranges verily, right? Because in Australia, it's always chest up, you know, it's, it's too competitive. Um, and and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole different vibe than, you know, Indian team or Indian side. I mean, I think mm-hmm. although India team is lately getting to that stage, not that they have to, but I think, you know, now the vibe is a little different, you know, being going chest-up, particularly since Coley has taken uh, our, the charge. Our, right? So, so well, as, a coach, as a coach, right, like, what do you, like, how do you go with it and how do you make sure pe- people maintain that energy or, you know, competitiveness and, you know, the chest-up attitude? Yeah. Or do, you, or do you think, does it have to be the case or, or like, why? Uh,
1: just? Well, some co- conference... It's it's a beautiful thing because I love Virat Kohli's um, the way he he just perc- the perception of confidence and and his self determination um, yeah. and and over time to, to watch him bring that into the team and see others feed off that and yet ironically um, Rohit it was Rishabh Pant who hit that boundary at the Gabba to bring ultimate success <laughs> for India yeah, yeah. where was Virat Kohli then yeah. <laughs> he wasn't there. He was away yeah. back. He was away back in India. But that's yeah. that. That was a great. That's a great example of of the legacy, and the, yeah. the the platform, the base, the foundation of that group, that Virat had put in place and instilled. That yeah. even though we all knew he was going back to India after the second test, I think it was the players could pick that up and take take that with them. Um, and Rishabh Pant. He's an expressive character, and you you want to encourage that. Whereas others, you know, Pajara probably more withdrawn, and that's totally fine. Takes all different, all different types. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the, I suppose the advice there to the players is: it's almost like it's almost like um, uh, an actor or a performer, where when the lights are on, you you, be, you can become a superhero, you can become something else, you can become a different, different character, and then when that stops, you can just be a different different person entirely. And I think. Um, uh, Ricky Ponting gave us some great insights during the IPL with the he do these two or three minute clips at the end of each IPL match, like the post match sort of debriefing, and you saw the players mm-hmm. so unscripted, unscripted, unrehearsed and and you saw, you know, a whole range of different um, methods he would apply to to ensure that everyone was recognized or, or rewarded in the group, whether they were the you know, the absolute superstar or the next rookie player coming through. But when yeah. the show's done, you, you sort of come down to a level where you're, you know, you, you can reflect comfortably on, on, on what's happened, yet I suppose the day, the cycle now is that you can't get too far ahead of yourself. Um, yep. And and some players, but to finish off with, yet some players, I suppose, do doing that outward sort of competitiveness to exude confidence, whereas others are more sort of, you don't see Jasper Bumrah being overly expressive, do you? I mean, he's just yep. just gets the job done. Yeah. Um and and that's that's that that that, that suits his his method of, of doing things. Um yeah you know, I think Mitchell Stark sort of quite I think wrongly used to get criticized for his lack of emotion if if you like but yeah. that was him just trying to stay in the mate it wasn't the, that's not the sort of player that that, that he he needs to be. Yeah. Um but it's again it's recognizing I suppose again as a coach being relatable to your players and and working it because sometimes um Robert, sometimes a player you know privately quietly they might need a bit of a needle yeah you know, in, in the mm-hmm. right you know they might need a bit of a a bit of a stern um not not too complicated but just a honest eye to eye person to person conversation yep. to um to get them back in the right sort of sort of mindset to think you know to get to get, to get them back into into that proper sort of mental state again um yep. whereas others it's more of a a quiet cajoling or encouraging or just, you know, just, just find a way to download or remove all the bad thoughts and just get back into a good thinking space. And, and sometimes that will come away from the game. So, again, yeah. sort of like you, you don't do your work in the dressing room or the grandstand. Um, hand. Yeah. Maybe you go for that walk on the beach. Yeah, exactly. Be, so it's, it's
0: a very, in yeah, respect of the country, it's more of a personal thing and personal approach to stay in the game mm. for the most part, right? Mm. So, mm. and then, and then I know, uh, I, I know we are, you know, running out of time, A um, couple of mm-hmm. things, um, that I want to talk about, right? So, you know, if you look at the non-professional cricketers, you know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. myself or like, you know, millions others across, you know, multiple countries and continents, you know, uh, even though we are not into the professional cricket or not in the league of, you know, getting anywhere professional. but yeah. Uh, still take cricket, you know, very passionately and very seriously and, and you know, goes full into practice or, uh, you know, to play the local leagues and games, uh, which makes the cricket the beautiful game, right? So, yeah. but again, you know, it, we try to improve, uh, but I think to the level that we are putting in, for the most part, since we don't have any structure around it or since we don't have the resources or, uh, you know, anything around mentorship, so it doesn't always I'm come sure. up really well despite, you know, you know great level of practice or great level of passion and interest in the game. So what, what is some advice uh, for, for, you know, non-professional cricketers that you can give to get better at game and, and uh, learn things over time?
1: Yeah, sometimes, sometimes a, 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 an, over, an overlooked area, yet an easy one, is if you reflect upon your cricket journey and you might want to go back and speak to a junior coach, um, mm-hmm. Or somebody who you've had might be a school teacher, yeah. um, or might be a, a community leader or an elder um, that, that might not be necessarily connected to the game directly, yet mm. they've got the ability to understand you as a, as a person and they're a good, you know, a, a listener. Might be someone you come across, I suppose, so semi-professional, um, uh, or non-professional, but it's an adult. You can people in business that you can find yeah. as, a, as, a, as a mentor, someone that you might have connected with, and the other part too. I mean available to us today, and this is you know, really because of you know, technology, we we can connect with anybody. Yeah, we can find. <laughs> there's the only the only thing stopping us from connecting with somebody who can help is ourselves. Really, yeah. o- overall. Um, yeah. I, although I would always encourage, though I'm a voracious. You can see, a lo- I, I read a lot. I've got a lot of books behind me because yeah. and one of the reasons why I read a lot is because. Um, I didn't have a chance to do a lot of schooling as a, as, a, as a young fellow, so I look upon the chance to keep gaining knowledge for education through books. And books um, allows me to sort of highlight things and, and then write, write things down and keep remembering them. Um, it also allows the allows the mind to to reset and get away from the screen because there, there is um, for the modern player of any level um, sleep sleep is important. Sleep, rest, and recovery is very, very important. I can I can assure for all our listeners, uh, when I did my level three high performance uh, coaching course a few years ago, of the fifty eight modules we did, one of them was about sleeping, if you can believe it. Yep. So this is to coach professional cricket, and and and, the, and we went we went through with the sleep expert how that looks, what that needs to be, how to get there, hmm. and diet, um, light, shade. Timing, all these sorts of things, and it was proven. that you, you take that knowledge back, and you speak to the players who've done really well at any level. And yeah. one of the key aspects is how restful they have been, rather than rest less. And yeah. if they're che- if they're checking their phone at 1 o'clock, two o'clock because Facebook's pinged or something's gone off, that's not creating a restful restful sort of yeah. space. So um, that's that's yeah. You know, you've got to be mindful of what what works well for any player of any, any sort. However, mentors, they're everywhere and sometimes they're not the obvious ones. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm blessed that I regard my, most of my most of my more influential and meaningful mentors are women. Interesting.
2: Thanks.
1: and. I'm just blessed that I found a, a, a strong cohort of different people from different backgrounds, different nationalities, diff- yet they think differently. And we, we tend to, sur- the default position for a lot of sports people is just surround yourself with the backslappers, yep. with the cheerleaders. Um, that's okay, that's fine. Yet, if you wanna have a, a wholesome and a good perspective of everything, um, surround yourself with access to people and it might be yep. Ruth, it might be a phone call once every two months Yeah. it might be a coffee catch up once every six weeks it doesn't need to be every single day because you have to allow time for things to, to work through yep. um, yet anybody can surround themselves with, with mentors to help and that aren't directly related to the sport um, and yep. yeah that that's and also um, also make sure that you always listen to your mother.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> listen, listen to your yeah. mum. Remember, remember,
1: the things yeah. that your mother told you. Yep,
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just be disciplined. You know, uh, <laughs> eat well, sleep well. I think these, these are the I think yeah. basic things that my, my mother yeah, has
1: to it, it is basic things. I mean, make sure when you're col- you, know? yep. you have to have colour on your plate. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, avoid <laughs> processed foods avoid too much sugar balance water drink tea um exercise walk yep. listen listen to music read books sing, dance
0: yeah and <laughs> talk, uh, uh, talk. Uh, another pitch. <laughs>
1: yeah, <talk. laughs> it's all, 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 yeah. you'll you'll find something that works for you
0: agree agree um but but, but yeah many many great points mentioned you know uh, talking to someone you know in, in your circle I'm sure, like if you are in the cricketing circle, you will you can always find people who can talk and people who can guide you, and and finding a better online or offline, you know, as you said, there are many tools out there. You know, if you want to reach out to probably uh, even the professional cricketer, you can still do it. It's not they may not respond, right. or some might even respond.
1: So, fact, just just on that rose just a little tip also for those listeners. Sometimes, if if you're in an environment where if you're playing cricket, no matter what level, and there's someone who's part of the group who's the scorer like, and they're not, they're not a player they're just a scorer and sometimes scorers are a lifelong um, volunteer or helper to the quite often not, it's actually worth having a quiet conversation with the scorer a bit because they see everything that goes on yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah and and sometimes those conversations will bring out from that the scorer as the observer that they do see a lot more than numbers on yeah. a page or on a screen, um, so they're, they're they're often an overlooked source of knowledge because they're just the scorer. Yeah. Yet, quite often I've heard of players um, that have had really really powerful conversations from that person because the the scorer at most times is not judgmental. They're just doing yeah. their, they're just doing their their their, their, their job. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you're looking at that circle, it doesn't need to be the people that you're sitting around the dressing room with yeah. having a soft drink or, or a celebratory drink. It's maybe someone just w- removed a little bit from there.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm.
0: Interesting. I mean, just, just uh, I, I would never thought that, you know, that is an possible way to, you know, get some insight. Um, but certainly, uh, why not, right? Um, and I've seen, you know, I, I heard Sachin was mentioning that someone – Uh, I think in, in the hotel room who is serving, you know, Mm -hmm. preparing his food or someone was mentioning how he should hold his grip or change the grip of the bat, which changed his entire batting approach. So you never know as long as the person is, I think, you know, has that mindset to observe. I think you can always learn from them, but yeah, thanks for uh, sharing all these, um, interesting advices uh, that I would never even think of. but cool. Uh, I think, I think that's your, that's your experience speaking, I guess. So, <laughs> and, and I also want to uh, touch this uh, quickly on the cricket mentoring, um, yeah. you know, startup or, you know, technology platform that you have. Yeah. So can you, can you give us some insight into it? Like, uh, who, like who is, I mean, whom does it apply to? Are you more looking to train professional cricketers or can anyone Not. tap onto it? Like how how does it work?
1: Look, it's all sorts. So, cricket mentoring. So, Tom Scollay is the founder of Cricket Mentoring, and, and Tom's based in Perth. Um, and I first came across uh, so two th- uh, well, I've been in technology a long time, and um, it was 2015 when uh, Chris Rogers um, said, "Oh, my, my friend Tom's come back from Middlesex. He couldn't, he could, didn't make first-class cricket over there, and he's starting up this thing online called Cricket Mentoring." You know, you're okay to give him a call and he's doing something with technology, does it look like? And so we had a few conversations. And back then, Tommy was recording um, with vlogs um, what he was going through as a, as a cricketer who had not made it at first class level and had come back to Perth and was playing for okay. uh, we, uh, Melville. Anyway, played for Perth. And um, we decided that, okay, we, we want to try and create a platform where anybody can see. Not only what you're going through, but how you're coaching other players and not just the technical side of things, but, but coaching them on, on the mindset, um, the emotional skills, the mental skills and how that sort of all comes together. And we're going to use uh, yeah. YouTube, well, initially, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram um, as a platforms, And then it gradually built from there where it, it continued on um, podcasts, interviewing players. We wrote some e-books, developed some strategies, some white papers, and it's just continued to grow. And now we do tours over to KOC and our partners in Bangalore. Yet the, the the community is very broad. I mean, there's 140,000 on Instagram followers, 70,000 on YouTube followers. Um, yeah, thirty thousand on Facebook. So it's a, and we we do one-on-one coaching as well. So we do, yeah. So anybody can see the sort of work that we do online, but we also have a very strong community where um, people come together on, on online, and and we will introduce, especially Sean Marsh, um, as people got access to like that Greg Shippard Yet yeah, what we're sort of starting to see now though, um, Roweth is that players are starting to come through the cricket mentoring network, and at the moment the best examples Teague Wiley who made 100 last week for Western Australia. Well, Teague's been part of the cricket mentoring and been on the tour since he was 14 years old. Mm. And he's sort of not just lived that experience with cricket mentoring, helping him through the game, but he's also lived the experience of his development. he being in social media and he's okay, he's okay with it. So he's not really overwhelmed by what's now unfolding in front of him. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, anybody can be just a casual observer and, and watch of what goes on. Um, anybody can join the the, the community. Um, they can sign up for some of the professional sort of services we, we, we provide, and that's available. And most of our players. Oh, it's, look, it's a real mixture. I mean, we've got players who are still on television, playing for various um, various teams or squads around the world, down to yeah. you know aspiring twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-olds who've got talent. Um, our audience is probably evenly split between Australia, India, and the UK. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, also, it's also the other side of things. So in the community, uh, we're able to give players direct feedback on elements of the game, help them for their planning. Sorry, I also forgot, um, more important. it's not just for players. It's also, we get a lot of interaction with coaches, uh, with team managers, um, <laughs> with other people who connect to the game. That yeah, that don't actually play the game as as well, but they've got involvement in the game yep. to teach others, to educate others somehow. Proud of the brand. Um, uh, so Tom's in Perth, myself I'm in Melbourne. Blake Reid's now in Melbourne as well, and yeah, we like to think that we deliver we deliver a lot more than just coaching. Yes, we do nice. that, but there's a lot more to it to become a very, very good player if, if you if you want to. And probably the last thing there just pleasingly is that in recent years, we've seen a significant increase in, in female players coming through. So we're doing um, a number of specific programs through the winter and through summer. And uh, I think now, not sure really of the exact percentage, but there are quite a few players in the Western Australia senior women's squad or high level junior squad that have come through Cricket mentoring in some in some fashion. So nice. Um, yeah, and, and just recently, just a, if we just took a, a tour of twenty players to Bangalore to KOC in September. Mm-hmm. So that will be ongoing. There will always be one in April, which is around the IPL time of year, and always one in and one in September as well. So we want to give players the first hand experience of what it's like to go into that environment. And immerse yeah. themselves fully in cricket to a different level, but also play games on different surfaces um, with different nets and, and and be exposed firsthand to what a serious appetite is really like. In fact, one of the I heard the story yesterday. Uh, Michaela, um, who was just on the recent tour as a seventeen-year-old, came back and her first few games in Perth did super super well, and she was elevated into the state team straight away. No. Whereas, if if Michaela, I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened, but the alternative was to stay back home and do a normal pre-season. Yeah. Yet, yet, Michaela went to uh, Bangalore and did an intensive eleven days of cricket. Came back and yeah, has has had a really, really good start to the year. So, um, Great. yeah, cricket mentor. It's, yeah, it's an ongoing concern. We're very proud of where it's where it, what's established there.
0: Exactly, and that's that's really cool. And I think uh, you know, um, that's using the power of technology to create much higher impact. Right. Because if you're a coach and if you're coaching in person, let's say you can probably coach like about 10 people, maybe 100 people at maximum. Yeah. But if you're using the technology and if you're talking to people around the world, I think the impact is much bigger. Yeah, and, well, and I can totally see that, uh, sorry, but you know, in, in US, you know, that can even be a bigger platform because cricket is evolving a lot. So I think maybe US is the next, next, uh, good destination, um, since that is particularly in the early stages. What, what has
1: allowed me to do personally as a coach here based in Melbourne, so I have customers in, in Dubai, in the UAE. I have uh-oh. some customers in Auckland and Christchurch who I, we, we've never met, yeah. yet, yet we have an online conversation because we're all okay online now as far as doing these sorts of conversations on, on camera and yeah. they're to provide me you know, information either visually or we're talking through plans or preparation. So I'm not teaching them anything um, like physically, technically with them, yet I'm able to add to them some areas to complement what they're already going through. Yep. And in essence, just to sort of go back to our point before, I've become that sort of mentor that they've got access to. And some, not saying everything, some things might not work. That, that's yep. okay. Yet at least for them, they have sought something extra outside of their immediate circle of contact. Yep. And yeah, I mean, we can, we can, these days we can do that.
0: Exactly, which
1: is, which, is, which is very, very powerful. Got a very um, talented left arm spinner from the UAE coming through, Rohit, that I hope um, in about three or four years, when he makes it, we'll be able to look back on the time we've had together online.
0: Cool, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so coming to Australia, or, or you want, I mean, he'll be playing for
1: a different country? A oh, different country, I don't. I, uh, I can't see. I, I, I would not be, um, the, the way that he's, at the moment, the way his career is going... Um, I would be encouraging him not to come to australia <laughs> Good. Gotcha. Cool. i would be encouraging him to stay in the oe go to india and then also emerging pleasingly is the quality of competition coming through the usa
2: yeah
1: i mean the standard it's, the standard of cricket now in the usa is is rapidly rapidly increasing for a whole range of reasons and i think you'll find like um just sort of separately but when i was at bangalore back in may this year uh there were uh, some of my friends there were involved in two of the teams in the USA competition minor leagues and they were still recruiting players to want to go. And yeah. I sat in a couple of recruiting meetings with some, where some names of Australian players, not, not, not profile Australian players, but, but those who are in sure. the sort of grade system and, and South Africa were yeah. being um, attuned. And if, if you were a, you know, if you were a first grade player in those environments and you had a chance to go play internationally, as in Adams just although Adam's coming yeah. to the end of his career, that's fine. If you're a player at the start of your career, it's it's an opportunity to pursue, isn't it?
0: Exactly, it, it is a wonderful opportunity. And uh, well, I if, think there is the right investment and it's just, there's a lot of, you know,
1: for the way to go. Yet the beauty of American competition, Roeth, is that all the games are streamed. Yeah. And, and I can assure you that um, the, the Quetta Gladiators, the Lahore Qalandars, the Kolkata Knight Riders, the Mumbai... They've yeah. all got talent scouts out there watching, looking for someone to come from somewhere because they might not put them in huh. the IPL and such, but the, the Pakistan League, the Caribbean Premier League, they're looking sure. for players. Yep. Because they can't all play Ranji Trophy, can they?
0: Exactly. They cannot play, <laughs> but, you know, you know, as long as they can play some sort of league, I think that's still a big win for them because that's a wonderful opportunity
1: to on right? Yeah, or there's, or there's a case where before I mentioned a player like Shivam Singh. Now, they might decide that Shivam... Uh, yeah, we want you to play for RCB, that's okay. Yet before you get there, maybe you go and play a few tournaments in other parts of the world so you get used to what that tournament structure is. Because is, as we know, yep. tournament structure is a very different beast Yeah. once you introduce travel and all the logistics around that. Yep. So um, you know, I think cricket, that's where cricket is very open to looking at where a market like the USA yep. Um. Stand's getting better, the games are streamed, it's got yeah. a big audience. It, it it will have an influence, a massive influence ahead.
0: Exactly. And, and uh, since, you know, it's very technology-centric and, uh, you know, it's a very rich country, so I think it can do a lot of heavy investments uh, and it will be a wonderful opportunity for uh, many players. Yeah. And, and yes, you know, I think... Uh, but it's interesting to know that uh, people are watching, you know, from, you know, KKR or, like, some other places to to score for players. That, that's good to know.
1: Oh, that well, it's, it's these these French these franchises that we all know that have come to us because of IPL. They, yeah. They're going to become they'll be beyond that. It's going to be yeah. it's going to continue to grow. There's no reason to think why they won't be as big as a Manchester United or a New England Patriots um, yeah. or a Boston Red Sox. When it comes down to it, that they'll be you know, there'll be a domestic competition, but there'll also be other areas that feed into that 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 that, that yeah that are important to to the the ecosystem of the game.
0: Definitely. Um, I couldn't agree more. Cool. Um, I know, uh, you know, I really want to talk about all the technologies, you know, work that you have done in uh, in the sports and technology because that's a very interesting space for me because uh, that was my first startup as well, uh, starting some <laughs> uh, this sort of, you know, uh, technology based platform in India, which didn't work um, apparently. And, that's and okay. I can talk all day about it. Uh, but but I, you know that's that's one area that I'm really keen uh, on, and would love to uh, talk to you on what all you have done and how it has been emerge- emerging, and what are what are the opportunity areas. But I think I'll I'll take it in a different episode since we do done, yeah. you know, um, since that's a very long conversation. So, <laughs> uh, and I think I always end this with one question, Andrew. Um, Please. And um, so, what what are the you know, can you help us teach something in two minutes that took very long time for you to learn?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I suppose it comes back to just reflecting upon where, where you feel you can serve best for others. And, and for me, um, that was really making sure that I found a quiet space with a book and a pen and I wrote wrote things down, reflected on things, and which meant that before I spoke or gave guidance, I'd thought deeply about something. And I also feel right that that made me a better listener. Um, in my early days of coaching, it was far too much me telling people what to do and how to do it. Um, I think as coaches and mentors, we are better off just helping the player understand the situation and then stand back. And I think I might have said it before, but I I get this um, emphasised by Greg Shippard quite often, who's one of the most successful coaches in the Australian ecosystem that sometimes the best work that you do is when you're doing no work. And doing no work means that you've got to have that ability to step back, be silent, and be confident that what you've done around you is is in a good environment to, to work. So just to and that comes just to cap off a, a pen, piece of paper, a quiet space, um, and just just yeah, just let it let it come from there. Plan.
0: Yeah, cool. Um... And I think that's it. That's a wonderful, wonderful leadership lesson as well. Um, and thanks for sharing it. That is uh, very valuable and insightful. Um, <clears throat> again, um, th- thank, thank you very much, Andrew. You know, I would love to speak for some more time, um, but uh, I think we also have uh, some sort of limitations <laughs> and other works to do. Uh, yes. And it, and it has been such a great and very insightful conversation. And thanks for being open to share all this information and. Uh, you know, thanks for your willingness to educate others. You know, via via this podcast, uh, I think you know, I'd love to do more episodes and I'd love to do more, do more talking and learn from you, and help others learn from you uh, through this uh, podcast. Uh, th- thank you very much,
1: Andrew. Uh, right, thank you, and thank you for your listeners, and, and appreciate those who've taken the time to to be here, and and you for making the effort to put this on. So you know, it's important yeah. that you know you're you're doing your extra bit for the for the community, ecosystem, and and very grateful for that. Thank you.
0: Cool. Yeah. Thank, thanks for that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the least that I can do since I have taken so much from the game, and, and this is what I'm passionate about. Uh, but yeah, exciting to be you know involved and, and uh, surrounded my you know surrounding myself with uh, really passionate people. Cool. Thanks for that. Cool. Um, th- thanks again, Andrew. Uh, talk to you soon.
2: Thank you, Rohit. Yeah.